Live from the William Hill Sportsbook at Silver 7's Hotel and Casino, it's Cofield and Company. Another addition to my uh, drunky McDrunkerson collection. Lettuce is a fine topping if you have got like nine things. Don't waste one of your three on we go. lettuce. Both of you probably could use a salad. It's time for Cofield and Company with Steve Cofield. On ESPN Las Vegas. All right, here we go. Thursday, Silver Sevens is the site. Adam Hill is here. It's Cofield. Let's get into it. It's Trending at 3. Presented by Nova Home Loans. Call now at 877-700-NOVA. All right. Plenty of Raiders news. But first, football really is back. Hall of Fame game tonight. Steelers-Cowboys. Seeing notes that... uh, the Cowboys will be very careful with Dak Prescott. I thought, yeah. he, I thought yes. he didn't make the trip. Yeah, that's the right kind of careful. Yeah, the the correct kind of careful is he plays two quarters <laughs> this preseason. They have four games, right, instead of three. Yeah. Other than that, he's not playing. No, no. I, I saw I saw the list of players who didn't make the trip. It looked like an entire roster. So well, I mean that you know this is the only. If I'm correct, it's the only fourth game situation that exists anymore, right? Yeah, yeah. It's the it's the only early week game, and those teams play an extra game. So, um, I would I would have thought they might treat it like the old, you know, four game schedule, and you play it like you would in the first. But it's also a long trip all the way across the country from where they're training. Uh, it would make sense to just say, all right, we're good. Everybody else is getting three games. We're getting three games. Uh, everybody else can uh, just kind of chill out. All the all of our main guys. Bucks are six and a half. In a five twenty start, that feels good. It feels good to say that. And it, uh, cause Wait, that's week one, right? Oh, you're right. Yeah, I got the wrong team. Steelers. Yeah, Steelers. Yeah, that's. that's uh, I think uh, Steelers are two, or they were at least a couple of hours ago. I don't have HOF game up on my uh, app because I think you have week. Oh, you're looking at regular season football. I think there's another one that says preseason football. Oh man, I'm getting. I'm, the uh, the William Hill app has changed. Not complaining about it. It's wonderful, um, but I'm getting lost sometimes. You were, you were schooling me the other night on the uh, spot to find the Olympic basketball game odds. Well, I, I, I just think... I apologize, audience. I'm dazed and confused. Yeah, Pittsburgh's two, two and a half. Total is 32. Yeah, and I think uh, with with the app, sometimes you just have to to find things. And I think with the halt, with the uh, Olympic basketball game the other night, it was because it was the middle of the night. I think there was some issues because uh, it, was, it changed days in the middle of the game. Uh, I think that was part of it, too. Uh, where it's just kind of confusing of where the menu was. So, uh, yeah, those things happen. And then uh, every once in a while you're looking around and trying to find, you know, where certain things are in the app and eventually find them, and there's a lot of great options there. Uh, interesting stuff coming down with the Raiders. Yesterday they signed one of the best defensive tackles from the 2010s yeah. in Gerald McCoy. You know, he missed last year. 2019 was solid, but from 2010 to 18 he was awesome. Guy who plays inside, so we can talk about what that means for the Raiders lineup if he actually makes the team and is a rotation guy and then i see earlier today another vet kj wright people are familiar with his name he was in for a visit and nothing done done or nothing yet nothing yet okay uh i think it was they're just kind of uh seeing something i think even on his end um you know we'll see exactly how this plays out but all the all the speculation and rumors were that he was going to go back to seattle he's been his entire career there um 
but it just hasn't happened yet. He hasn't signed a deal. This felt like, and again, he could be signed in the next five minutes, uh, and I could be completely wrong on this. This felt like, okay, Seattle, we're nothing. We're not. We're not coming to a deal. There's other options out there, and he went and visited his old uh, defensive coordinator, Gus Bradley, who um, was with the Seahawks when KJ broke into the league. Uh, certainly is familiar with the system and everything else, so it would make some sense uh, to you know to make that move. But it feels like the kind of scenario he might go back to Seattle eventually. And again, as I said, I could be wrong in five minutes. Yeah, start of the last 32 games in Seattle. He's been, been a really he's been a really good player. Had a really good year last year too, yeah. and he's at least 32. Yes, he uh, but yeah, he, he's coming off a very good season. I think his 32 is different than Joe McCoy's 33. We have some off-the-field news with the Raiders that will build throughout the show. Uh, I saw that you guys had a story today, another valuation story of the Raiders. Boy, this has worked out pretty nicely, hasn't it? <laughs> sure. How much is the team worth now? Uh, over $3 billion. I think it's, I I think it's over $3.4 billion. Yeah. yeah. Uh, they're middle of the pack, 16th in the league uh, in terms of their value. Um what does it mean in the grand scheme of things? Zero, uh, if you're like a fan of the team. Although, but to put it in perspective, sure. what were they worth when they were in Oakland? Not that much. They were near the bottom of the league, and they were cash poor. You know, we've talked about that. There was issues in terms of signing free agents because they didn't have the cash on hand to make that happen. So uh, that shouldn't be an issue anymore. Uh, they, you know, have plenty of money. Mark Davis had, you know, has really worked the system very well. Uh, he was kind of looked at in a certain way before, and now is uh, seen certainly differently by taking this franchise to the heights that has reached now. It should be. Yeah. Right? Because the thing almost uh, died before it got started here in Vegas when Sheldon Addison pulled out and he found a, make it wor- uh, found a way to make it work. And it's going to work really well this year and you know really well into the future. And they've got a chance to make even more money around the stadium. Uh, Olympics update. We'll get to the men's basketball results in a second. But uh, it's all over for the U.S. women. I don't like the way you put this. We celebrate all medals on the show. Cool. I'm kidding. Uh, U.S. Women's Soccer settle yeah. for the bronze. They were a minus 185 favorite to win the gold I do, for I the mean, tournament. Yeah. Like, I do like that some people have, have painted this as a complete and total failure. Like, they did medal. They, yeah, they were the best team. Doesn't doesn't always happen. Like, our, our what we can get into it later, the 4x100 team is should be the best team in the world by far. They can't do anything. They are a disaster. Uh, and, but, and I see them getting ripped left and right. Yeah, but they're not meddling. They're not even qualifying. Right. It's, it's different. That's a failure. A, a bronze medal is not a failure. I, I saw people complaining the other day that uh, that we're you know that we keep putting the graphic up that we're leading the medal count. Like, who cares about medals? It's gold. Like, so silver. <laughs> silver medal is nothing. This, this you is know the insane. way you know the way Americans are, of and especially. Course. If American, if the American teams have been on top for the longest time and virtually unbeatable, it's looked upon as a failure if they get silver or bronze. But there's obviously there's other there are other sports where maybe we're not the highest achievers in. Uh, maybe there's younger athletes who are just coming out of the international scene, and when they medal, that's a great victory. But sure. for women's soccer, no, it's a failure in a lot of ways. For women's basketball, when you're a minus one thousand favorite coming into the tournament, you need to win the gold. Sure. For the men's basketball team, that was upwards of you know. Six or seven hundred to win the gold coming in to the tournament before they started losing some of the exhibition games. Here, you got to win a gold, right? But I, I will also that's that is of course the case. But also, and I understand that Americans in soccer, it's not you know not the most knowledgeable. 
Like the best team doesn't always win soccer. In, well, in that's basketball, how, but, but, that showed, that, but that shows you how big the gap was sure. between women's development soccer here and the rest of the world. Sure. So, and they were winning every game like 7 nothing. Right. The crazy. gap is closed. Now the games are right. close. And Teams you know, very, can, very much like a hockey game, you can you can actually play a great game. And we saw that many times with the Vegas Golden Knights, yeah. be on the losing end after you know outplaying the other team. And the difference in, in where, where soccer has caught up is the U.S. would win games like 7 to nothing. Now there are teams that are good enough even if they're not as good as the U.S., to play a possession game and try to play to a 0-0. Uh, and the game that they lost was just a team keeping the ball away from them and finding a way to score a goal and and then not letting them do anything and and taking their big stars out of it, which like, that can happen in soccer. It can. And that that's kind of what happened here, although nobody wants to actually you know <laughs> look at what happened. They just want to say, they lost, they stink, still got a bronze. Uh, not what they wanted, certainly, but... You know that is, that is where they are. In basketball, you can do it too. I mean, you can play a you know a stall kind of game, and but it's just not it's not as easy right. with the shot clock. If there was a shot clock in soccer, I would venture to say the U.S. would probably win in every game. Uh, men's basketball got the job done last night in a half. In the first half, I'd say the first fifteen minutes, not great. They were having a tough time, but they closed out the first half well, and then second half, forget about it. They were awesome. Yeah, and people talk about how good they were in the third quarter, and they were, but it was really the end of the second where they really started to do some damage and come back and. It's you know, it's weird that this is you know with a team this talented that this is where they're at, but they've kind of fallen into this rhythm and I, it's successful. Uh, and I think you you give credit to the coaching staff of you go out there and Kevin, great coaching. Kevin, oh, oh, Popovich, great. he drives me nuts. You know, he went off on some Slovenian reporter yesterday, and I think it's obnoxious. But uh, he and then you, when you look on his bench, he's also got some of the great sure. NBA and college coaches. On a staff, this staff is one of the best coaching staffs we've ever seen. It's amazing. Not yeah. even you can't even question it. Uh, look at the halftime adjustments. That is one of the hallmarks of being a great coach and a coaching staff. And you know they're, they're down sizably in the first half. They go on a forty-eight to fourteen run, and then frankly took their foot off the gas pedal uh, in the very end. But they wound up winning ninety-seven seventy-eight. And they changed they changed in the mid-second quarter what they were doing on Patty Mills. Uh, how they were defending him, and that was really smart. That's really how they started to make the the comeback, and then took over the game. Uh, and I think what they're doing, it's it's actually a fairly smart strategy. Even though you're a better team, you wouldn't think you need strategy that much necessarily. But they're coming out, and as Kevin Durant talked about last night after the game, they're coming out and saying, "Okay, we know that when when people play us, they are going to throw everything they possibly can at us right away. And what we're doing is we're going out there and we're letting them. They're like, all right, what do you got?" Let's see what you have for about a quarter and letting oh, wow. that, letting it play out and then saying, all right, now we know what you're doing. We'll adjust to that and we'll beat you. And it's it's really smart. I'm sure people are frustrated. Why are they down in every game? Seems like a smart strategy. It's working. Now, if it doesn't, then they'll take all kinds of criticism and say, why did you do it that way? But it seems like a really smart thing. Stateside in the NBA, a big last couple of days for the Lakers. We'll compare and contrast with the Lakers and the Knicks did the last couple of days. But the Knicks, to me, you know, secured their final piece in extending out Julius Randle. What do you think? Where are you on Randle? Because I think a lot of people are going to look at this and go, he's got like 108 guaranteed, I think $117 million extension. We see players now making, you know, guys who are older, but potentially making 32, 35, 40, 45 million. You look at it and you're like, Hey, Randall had a really good year last year. He's going to make about $26 million. This is insane. They were like, hey, this is you know kind of a bargain. Who is the deal best for, Randall or the Knicks? 
Probably Randall. Right? Yeah. Based I on what so. we saw in the playoffs? Yeah, I think so. Now, here's the thing. We also have to look at what the Knicks added the last couple days, and we mock on the Knicks a lot. But through strength and numbers, they've actually potentially set up Randall for even bigger things because now he doesn't have to be their lead guy every game. Right. I just, you know, I, I feel like, and I think anything was going to be kind of disappointing with the Knicks because it's always they always set themselves up, and I think it's the fans more than anybody, of like, this is the year. This is the year. We're getting Beal and Lillard, <laughs> right. and LeBron's going to opt out of his contract. We're going to have a big three. Like, you're never going to – you don't have a big three, okay? It's not It's not that easy to put it together. I saw it the other day. Kawhi opted out, which was really just to redo uh, his deal. Knicks? Yeah. No. No. <laughs> it's not – no. But so, I I mean, I get – like, I think they've done some some nice moves to make their, their team a little bit better. They're not great. They're not a championship contender. They're, they're a little bit better, but that, I don't think that's what people thought was going to happen with the Knicks, but it's probably what they should have thought was going to happen. Update on Marc-Andre Fleury coming up in about 15 minutes, but next we'll bring in a Knicks expert, also talk a little NBA with uh, Mike Borkanoff from The Athletic. Nova Home Loans brings you Trending at 3. It's a refi rate at Nova Home Loans. With interest rates at all-time lows, now's the time to talk to your local Nova loan officer, 877-700-NOVA. Hanging at the William Hill Sportsbook inside Silver 7s, it's Cofield and Company. Big week of NBA moves to recap here at Silver 7s with Cofield and Company. And no team was more active than the New York Knicks. This morning, they extended Julius Randle. Let's bring in Mike Borkanoff. He covers the Knicks for the Athletic, covers the NBA for the Athletic. Mike, who got the better side of this extension? Is it Randle or is it the Knicks? Uh, I mean, I think for the Knicks, um, just because there's the potential that, uh, you know, if he hit free agency, if he played as well as he did uh, this upcoming season, as he did last season, and he hit free agency, you're, you're looking at, you know, the max deal, which is like somewhere around $200 million, you know, it's give or take. Um, and I think he might have been really the best free agent on the market, possibly if kind of some guys don't opt out of their contracts or re-sign. Uh, and then you've got the Knicks in a big uh, quagmire trying to re-sign him, giving him big money, you know, tying up their cap sheet, all that type of stuff. Uh, so I think, you know, it, re-signing him now is a, is a guard against that. There's always a chance that he regresses. But even if he's not quite the level that he was last year, I, I think that can still be kind of a, a good contract for them. But it, it's not like uh, Julius Randle, you know, got off with a bad deal here. He he gets to lock in $106 million. Yep. That's a lot of money. Uh, you know, getting paid $27, 26000000 million annually for the next four to five years is pretty good life. And uh, he buys out kind of the downside of him getting hurt or him not playing as well. Like all these things. Like anytime you can guarantee $100 million, it's always good. <laughs> you and I both know about that, right? Uh, Mike, Mor- right. Mike Vorkanov is with us. Nick's writer for The Athletic. Um, Knicks fans are crazy, so they're going to overreact sometimes, and a lot did overreact to Randall's play in the playoffs. So what do you tell them about Randall and, and his struggles when it counted the most? I mean, look, the playoffs, uh, I mean, they were bad for him, right? Uh, I think a lot of things go into that in the playoffs. They they really locked down on Randall and made him the key point of the defense, and you saw that he's not ready to handle that yet in the playoff series. He didn't have any help, which didn't uh, you know mitigate anything for him. He also missed a lot of the shots that he made during the season. Like, he got forced into a lot of hard twos and threes. But weirdly enough, that's that was kind of his bread and butter uh, for the Knicks during the regular season. I, I think it was definitely a concern that, you know, I was telling someone before the playoffs started, I was like, look, the worst-case scenario for the Knicks is uh, all those shots that Julius Randle shouldn't have hit during the regular season, he doesn't hit 
against Atlanta. And that's what happened. But they're obviously buying him being able to do that sustainably over the course of another three, four seasons, whatever it is, like all those pull up threes, step back threes, uh, you know, fadeaway jumpers. That's all him. Uh, So I would say like that's really the case against it. And also the Knicks are guarding against it, too. Look, they brought in Evan Fournier, Kemba Walker, like kept out Burks. Uh, that's all protection from Julius Randle doing that again because it means the defense can just, like, go zero bullets on every possession now. Like, they have to respect his teammates, and that should make it easier for him, too. Do you like the Kemba Walker pickup? Was 2021 just a year of bad luck for him, or is that kind of the slide backwards? Um, I like it. I, I think a lot of it's health-related. For $36 million, that's a problem. For $8 million or whatever they're getting him, $9 million, that's a good deal, right? Like, he's still averaged 20 points per game. He was still 36% from three. He's still dangerous off the dribble um, for the Celtics' last two years, even while he's battling those knee problems. So I think for the price that they got him at, it's a, it's a good value contract, and it has a lot of high upside baked in for the Knicks, really. And so, um, yeah, for them, that could, that could end up being a big steal. Why do you think they liked Fournier so much? A lot of the same stuff uh, that I was mentioning about what they needed from Randall. He's he's good off the dribble. I think he's a 40% shooter, I want to say. Uh, pull up threes. You know, this is a guy who can create for himself. He can create for others. He's not, you know, he's not an elite player at his position, but they're not paying him like an elite player either. Uh, so I, I think uh, he'll be able to help. He'll be, you know, maybe there. Now with Kemba, he could be their fourth best play, best player, fourth option on the floor. Uh, that's not bad. You don't always want to pay that guy $19.5 million, but that's also not a bad contract that they have him at, and you could trade out if you need to. So I, I think that goes into uh, why they liked and signed Fournier. How much does Robinson play, and do they go with a ton of small ball? I don't think Tom Thibodeau does small ball. <laughs> I'm going to be honest <laughs> with you. Uh, we kept asking about going small this past season, and uh, as much lip service as he paid to it, he, he didn't actually do it. Uh, so I don't really see a lot of small ball. They get 48 minutes now in Nerlens Noel and Mitchell Robinson if they want to, and um, that, that's the way that Thibodeau likes it. You get rim protection on there at all at all times. Well, I assume he likes competition in practice, and we're talking Knicks, and the Knicks are one of the most active teams. Uh, we're talking about the Knicks with Mike Vorkanoff here on Cofield and company. He's got a ton of bodies, uh, you know, between Kemba and Rose and Fournier and Randall and Barrett and the upside of Obi Toppin, and you mentioned uh, – you know, Nerlens Noel and Robinson. And then the weird thing is behind the scenes, they still got a lot of depth. They're not going to be able to keep all these guys, right? I mean, I think they would keep Jericho. Well, Jericho Sims will be around in some form or fashion, up or down, but Knox and Grimes and quickly. And no, I mean, look, they, they're, I think 14, 15 roster spots right now, depending who gets a two way, who doesn't. I think the depth chart is pretty much set. Now they have about four to five deep at point guard. Um, again, depending on if they keep Luca Valdoza, they need some more wings. They could do that. They could add another one. They might have too many bigs uh, or just like just enough where they could afford another wing on top of it. But I think this roster is where it is. And, um, you know, maybe Jericho Sims will stay around as a two-way guy. Maybe they're able to get Miles McBride to sign on as a two-way guy. Uh, but I think this roster is, a, is just about set. At a minimum, Sims has to be up around the time of the All-Star break to be in the dunk contest because I've never seen anything like that, a 6'10 dude hitting his face on the rim. Yeah, that was wild, right? Yep, crazy. Banged his eye and he's grabbing his eye because he freaking smashed his face on the rim. So record-wise, Mike, they were 41-31 and 31 a year ago. Do they win more games? I know it sounds crazy with all this talent, but because I think the East added a lot of talent – um, and I'll, let's be honest, the Knicks also outperformed some of the metrics. I know, uh, you know, there were some three-point oddities in terms of defending the, the three-ball. Do they win? You know, on this pace, that would be forty-seven wins. Do they win yeah. more games this year or a little bit less? 
So I'm going to, I'm going to do something here that might be like a, a cheat or a hedge, but uh, I'm going to say they win the same amount. So 47, <laughs> okay. they do two right. games, but, but I think they'll win like somewhere around there, but it, you won't be watching them and going, wait, how are the Knicks doing this? Like, You'll be watching them win, you know, 48 games, and you'll be like, okay, this makes sense. I get why they're a 48 team, 48 winning team, as opposed to this year when you're watching them and you're going, I don't understand how this is happening. Uh, and I think that's pretty good for them. It's good to be a sustainably uh, good 48 win team instead of uh, maybe like an overachieving, I don't think they can do this again, 48 win team like they were this past season. So these are good names. They're not the biggest names, and I think Knicks fans were hoping for the biggest names. Did you ever believe they had a shot to get Bradley Beal or Dame Lillard? Uh, I mean, it doesn't seem like Bradley Beal ever wanted to go. And I, I was dubious that Damian Lillard would get traded this offseason. Uh, it just didn't seem like where kind of the momentum was heading with him. So I don't think that was ever an option for them. Uh, those two guys, you know, the type of caliber players that they are and the way that the NBA is, you know, if they wanted to leave, they probably have left. Uh, and it just doesn't seem like that was a possibility for the Knicks or anyone this summer. So in terms of the, the biggest names in free agency, like the last 20 years, because we always laugh out here about, uh, you know, Knicks fans are always like, oh, it's the Mecca. We're going to get the big name guy. And they really they really haven't. They've gotten a couple via trade and, you know, sign and trade Stoudemire and, and Mello and going all the way back to like Allen Houston was one of their big signings. But they haven't gotten the LeBron, the KD, you know, the big, the big guy. And I always point to, you know, there is one factor that's been around the entire time, and it's, and it's the owner, James Dolan. And I, you tell me. Do players, do you hear stuff like, I'm, I don't want to play for the Knicks because of Dolan? Uh, you are not the only one uh, to have mentioned James Dolan as a kind of the, you know, the continuing factor over the last two decades. I don't know how much it's on him, like, individually. I think it's more so the fact that for the last 20 years, the Knicks have just been, you know, dysfunctional, embarrassing, and most importantly, on top of that, they haven't been winning, Right. Um, so I think free agents want to go to a place where they are uh, winners, where they don't have to be heroes all the time. It's just a place where they can go and be like, okay, I can see myself winning a title here this year, the year after that. And the Knicks have been able to provide them um, that opportunity. And so, uh, you know, I think that, you know, like what goes into that? Yeah, the ownership does. But I think it's a lot of things beneath that too. Across the NBA, who do you think improved the most during this free agency period? Is it Lakers, Knicks, Heat, Bulls, someone else? I mean, I like what the Heat did for sure. Uh, I like the Bulls, or maybe not necessarily the contracts that they gave out. Uh, I, yeah, I think just the East in general. I, I like I like the Bulls and the uh, and the Heat. I think the Heat, you know, have a chance now to get to the uh, to the conference finals with Kyle Lowry getting into the fold. It's crazy, right? How wild the East is, where it literally is like six or seven deep. With we already saw the Hawks pull off all these upsets. It's going to be nuts next year. It's going to be really fun. After the top three teams, and maybe the Heat, you want to throw them in there, but like seats five through 12, I, I think you go any, any way in the Heat. Thanks, Mike. We'll see you next week. All right. Thanks, Steve. There he is, Mike Vorkanoff, who covers the Knicks for The Athletic. And yeah, he'll be here next week for the NBA Summer League. Coming up in less than 15 minutes, our legal analyst, big sports fan out of Chicago, Xavier Pope, will join us and we'll get into what Team USA men's basketball did last night and who he thinks has been the bigger winner in NBA free agency. Is it the Lakers or the Knicks? Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. Now, back to Cofield and Company. Team USA, the lob from Levine. And the steal by Levine. Zach Levine in a foot race with Thibault. He'll slam it down. NBC on the call there. 
I think that was one of the best parts of the game last night for Team USA was watching Zach Levine, who we know is a really good player, but you're like, oh, yeah, that's right. He's a freaking dunk champion, and in the open court, or if you're not paying attention to him on the back door, he's going to alley-oop the crap out of you. He was awesome. Yeah, he was. And that's when, like, the Aussies started getting tired, and they're like, what is going on here? This guy's got fresh legs, and he's freaking jumping over our heads. And there, and I think part of it is, and, and what you know, when people are freaking out at the beginning of this, it's also – Learning how to use him effectively and mm-hmm. using how, learning how to play with him, you know, effectively. You, you're pointing at me. Well, because know. you, we like to lecture each other and lay down guarantees. You will come around on Lonzo. Watch Lonzo from freaking just across the half court line throwing alley oops to Zach Levine to defenses that aren't paying attention. Oh sure, and Lonzo's so good he just may make a couple of them as three pointers. It'll be awesome. They'll, they'll, he'll throw like three alley oops in a row. The crowd will be going crazy. The Bulls will be down twenty two. It'll be awesome. <laughs> this part of the show is brought to you by our friends at Nova Home Loans. If you've been in your house for uh, at least a couple years and you're still paying that original monthly payment, I mean that's just silly. Come on now, uh, that means your rate is way too high. It's time to make a move. You got to call my guys at Nova Home Loans five seven seven twenty six hundred is the number five seven seven two six zero zero. I did it. Uh, back in 2020, it's uh, called the mortgage tune-up. You go in there, it takes 15, 20 minutes to assess your situation. They give you a bunch of different options. They may tell you, you're fine. We can't do any better for you. And they've they've actually done that for some of my friends. But in some cases, they may tell you, hey, here's a better rate. Here's how to get rid of the uh, mortgage insurance. Um, maybe you can take money out of the house. Your rate's going to go down. Your payment's going to go down. But you're not going to find out unless you call. It's Nova Home Loans at 577-2600. Nova Home Loans, 577-2600. All right. I got you going the other day where you were freaking yelling at me about Peacock because you're a lover of Peacock. I don't know if this will spark something, but <laughs> latest from Mark andre Fleury now that he's in Chicago. Quote, again, talking about not knowing that he was going to be traded and kind of fanning the flame of VGK fan anger. He said, my agent gave me a call, told me it was out on Twitter that I was traded. That's how I found out. I don't have social media, so I'm not on there looking things up all the time. God, Marc-Andre Fleury got screwed by Golden Knights management. Uh, I'm being sarcastic. This, How long is this going to go on for? It's a good question. I mean, as long as he <laughs> keeps it going. Um, I, I think it's very... Like, sometimes it's tough to figure out exactly where the truth is or where it's not. Like, in this case, it's 100% clear where the truth is. And it, it's, if you want to just blindly believe one side, fine, whatever. Uh, that's fine. But the the side that the team has told actually lines up exactly with the side that Flurry is telling. It's really not that hard to figure out. Like, did he learn of his exact trade from Twitter? Possibly. Was he blindsided? No. I saw someone arguing with our good buddy John Von Tobel saying, that. "Why? How come you take management's word for this and you don't believe Flurry?" I mean, you can actually believe them both, but it's it's that, by the way. Is that possible? Yeah. Or do we have to have the story where someone got screwed? No, because what I just said is, if you want to believe Flurry's story and believe the team's story, you can because they're both true. Like, the team has said, we kept him in the loop constantly. He knew that we were trading him. He knew that we were looking for a place to send him, 
and he knew what teams were potentially involved. And then when we finally made the deal, we didn't tell him that the deal was made because it wasn't done yet. And you can't, especially with we know who represents him, and what would have happened if his, ag- if his agent knew that it was happening, he would have muddied the waters. He would have called Chicago and said he's not coming. Don't make this deal. He's not coming because he would have tried to muddy the waters on it. And so they said, okay, like once this deal is done, we'll let him know and we'll talk to him and we'll have a conversation with him. And Florida's saying, I learned about it from Twitter. Sure you did. Did you know that you were going to be traded, though? Yes, you did. So why are you leaving that part out to try to, to try to make the fans more sympathetic than they already are for you? Why does it anger you so much? Is it is it the fans or is it you know you talking to VGK management and they're like this is ridiculous? Like you feel for them because you you know you you know these guys. I'm not saying you know you're on one side or the other, but what are you talking about? I'm I'm the most anti VGK person in the world. Don't you know that? I hate them, don't I? I I know that's not the case. I know (laughs) I know you talk to management with all the uh, organizations in town. It's I mean it's just it's it's still it's. I mean, I understand. Again, fandom, you get it. You understand. You understand that people just want to believe what they want to believe, or whatever. But like, this is this is not a, like a he said, she said. This is a he said, he said part of the story, and they're both true. But you're leaving out like the flurry side is leaving out a very very important detail. Adam Hill is here. It's Steve Cofield. Silver Sevens is here. Come on down. Happy hour has begun. It's two seventy seven on many of the drinks: beer, margaritas, wine. And shots. Xavier Pope is going to come in. We need to get into some of the uh, latest legal questions around uh, vaccinations and the National Football League. The phone lines are open. Join the conversation on Cofield and Company now by calling 702-364-1100 or tweet us at Cofield and Co. Hanging at the William Hill Sportsbook inside Silver Sevens, it's Cofield and Company. Time for one of our favorite spots of the week live here at Silver Sevens. Xavier Pope, our legal analyst, cultural analyst, joins Cofield and Company. We start out with this growing wave, Xavier. Looks like some of the big cities around the country, led by New York and L.A., are considering proposals to require proof of vaccination. And that could mean it's the only way to get into restaurants, gyms, and sporting events. You're the attorney. If they do this, this is legal? The reason why it's legal is because the government isn't forcing you to to get vaccinated. So your your body is not being challenged whatsoever. But so it is using the law to be able to force businesses to be safer if they want to comply with the COVID-19 liability. I've been talking about this for the last year and a half about the COVID-19 liability law that basically uh, is getting business shielded from being sued if people get it, get sick on their establishment. So if you're a business and you wanna make sure that you're not on the hook for getting someone getting sick inside, then you're gonna require them to be, be safe to come inside. So businesses, I think that they were already going to start doing this on their own. And some of them already were doing this to be able to protect themselves from liability exposure. When you see the recent CDC announcements and, and some of the things that are rolling down, it just makes sense from a, from a business perspective. If businesses want to stay open, that they don't get a flood house, they have a floodgates of suits coming their way, flooding the court system with this. And so, yes, it's absolutely legal. 
And people that are vaccinated, like myself, have been wanting all along that we've put in the work to be able to make society safer. You got to be able to do something, too. Now, I don't necessarily think that this will preclude certain jurisdictions from requiring not all, either if you're unvaccinated. OK, fine. You have to have a proof of a negative like Lollapalooza did proof of a negative test within 72 hours before attending. I think that that's what we're going to see to accommodate the vaccinated and unvaccinated in public spaces. And then if you're unvaccinated, then you have to wear a mask as well. We're getting the legal side of things on the uh, the storm that is coming. And that could be uh, as the Delta variant uh, grows and grows and grows. We may need a vaccination card proof to get into a lot of events. That could mean sporting events. I have no idea what's going to happen here in Vegas. There's already rumors that some of the big events may be canceled in the next couple of weeks. So this is going to be a challenge come football season. Now, speaking of the NFL, this is crazy because we get on the NFL so many times in the past for being behind the curve. Um, You know, the league has actually come up with something here, and its vax rates are very, very good. Um, I think they're going to go the next step and actually start requiring the vaccinated players to get tested every day. This is kind of crazy. I think we have to pat the NFL on the back because their restrictions, uh, workplace changes for the unvaccinated has actually really been motivating and their rates are across the league pushing past 85% fully vaxxed. Yeah. And from what I saw, I thought it was a report that 90% of NFL players have been vaccinated as a whole, as a league. Uh, And this is much higher than society. And there have been some really vocal people against vaccination, like Cole Beasley uh, and some other players. But that they're in the very strong minority. And I think that's important for the media. If you're covering the NFL in its response to coronavirus, I think that it is unbalanced to not discuss the measures that the NFL has taken, including uh, putting I think they've changed a lot when the NFL says you're going to forfeit a game if your players cost your team to have a game canceled Michael Irvin was a soothsayer he said that you're not going out for your team to win if you won't get vaccinated turns out he was right and the NFL has changed how it does business and this is much better than the general society is doing right now Xavier this is crazy and I'm going to say this and I don't want to say it because uh, I don't want the tentacles of corporations and companies intertwined in you know, every nook and cranny of our life. But because the NFL yeah. has done it and it's worked, is the, the saving grace here, could it be corporations and companies just requiring across the board their employees to be fully vaxxed? I mean, I know Facebook did it, uh, Netflix, Amazon. It seems like overreach, but is that the way to actually get vaccination across the country to go way up? And are you comfortable with that? I tweeted this already that I thought that businesses would be the tipping scale uh, in terms of vaccinations. Well, businesses were the tipping scale in terms of the economy shutting down. It wasn't because of the health threat that businesses were concerned and why they shut down. I've said this time and time again. It was the liability exposure of you coming into an establishment and getting sick and then you being sued for the patrons of that business or the employees that you created, you kept open when a raging pandemic was going on, and now you run out of business and your business is running to the ground. And so businesses, don't look at them as so benevolent that they yeah. are leading the charge to make society safer. No, right. they are leading the charge to make sure they're not, that their businesses have a going concern. 
And so it is that reason why society ultimately will be made safer because you have to, whether, whether you work, live, play, you're gonna wind up either having to have some sort of vaccination proof or some sort of proof of negative COVID test. Yeah, and uh, I, wasn't, I wasn't suggesting that you know, it's all altruistic, believe me. Uh, <laughs> and, and I am uncomfortable with, again, corporations and companies being able to it almost it, this is not a labor power issue but in a way it's like eh, you know they're coming in and and saying what we have to do but as an example i mean everyone out there has to think if your job says you have to be fully vaccinated do you want your job you know i mean and, and as an example mm-hmm. as a media person xavier here in vegas if you want to cover the raiders and get into their facility you have to be fully vaccinated you have to show your vax card you have to get mm-hmm. tested every two weeks you don't want to do that then you can't do your job. And there are people in this market who are not vaccinated in the media and they're not at the Raiders facility. I work, you know, with UNLV athletics, with basketball, men's basketball and, and football to travel with those teams. Like, yeah, I was told a month ago, got to be fully vaccinated. Got to share your vax card. I have a decision to make at that point, work or lose my job, which in some way sucks, but that's the way it goes. That's the way it goes. I mean, that's the legality of it. It's totally legal. It's totally permissible, but it's not a new thing. Our kids have had to get vaccination shots in order to go to school and be educated. Yeah. This isn't, this, we is, not, did. this is not some you, new, you, new. You and I did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I have, we have all have vaccines in us before we can, before we can walk and talk. This isn't in, in our parents did that not only for our own safety. So, but so we can go to school. <laughs> and so school required then that you had to do that when you go to college, like all those different things. So this isn't a new thing. This is just a evolving phenomenon based on a pandemic. So people are acting like the world has drastically changed. It continues to change and evolve as we learn ways to keep people alive and extend people's livelihoods. It's just that's just what it is. Science works. He does suit up news on Twitter. It's Xavier Pope joins Cofield and Company every Thursday as we're live here at Silver Sevens. All right, NBA, who had a bigger week of signings, Lakers or Knicks? I'm going to say the Lakers. Um, the Lakers get in Russell Westbrook. I know a lot of people have been saying the, the Lakers are old, but you're, you have one of the best players in the National Basketball Association, only 28 years old, in Anthony Davis. And so you still have LeBron James, who looked pretty darn good, <laughs> Um, and you still have Russell Westbrook, who also is st- still averaging a triple-double. That last I checked at the end of the, of the season. So it, I think that people are looking at the Lakers and they're seeing young stars like Giannis and thinking that he's going to run through the league for the next 10 years. That's not, that still remains to be seen. And the Lakers just the season before won the NBA championship. They're not that far removed. And so... They needed to get that. Then they also picked up a couple of the shooters. They got Mello. Um, they got Monk. I mean, they are set to be able to compete, to, to get get shot, get shots, to get guys open, master the pick and roll, to be able to get AD on the block and keep people away from him. They're designed to win. The Knicks, we don't really know if that core really is going to be as good next year as they were this year. Now let's get serious. The new host of Jeopardy. So they tried out Dr. Oz. Uh, you know, they, they, they look like the, the strong front runner uh, could have been Aaron Rodgers. If he was going to walk away from football. But LeVar Burton, who, Mike Richards, what is going on here? Well, Mike Richards was the, the executive producer of the show. Uh, it looks as if they had a time to keep some attention on the show by bringing out 
special guests and they had a guy that they wanted all along, Mike Richards, who had, he's hosted many different shows. But my thing about Mike Richards, this is a person that people said, who, when they heard about him. So you've had all these jobs and seemingly qualified for the job, but you've never stood out in any of them. And now you're going to be carrying on a flagship game, being game show host. And nobody wanted you. And he's not active on social media. He has like left 4,000 followers, hasn't tweeted in three years. LeVar Burton has two million followers what economic benefit would it be to the show to continue on with him what it, where what worth is he so he would bring some actual economic value that's my problem you he, he hasn't proven that when you put him in people are going to tune in lavar burton has aaron yeah. Rodgers has anderson cooper has so i think that that's something that people have a problem with all right i know I, i'm not a jeopardy person but uh adam hill is and uh, I know a lot of people, you know, it's a nightly thing for them, and it's been that way for like 25 years, so it's a it's a big deal. Uh, we got to close on this one. Last week, our show went kind of crazy talking about Mila Kunis and Ashton Kutcher saying they don't shower a whole lot and they don't really uh, give their kids baths. Um, one of my co-hosts, John Von Tobel, uh, actually said that I appear to be a musty person, um, which I, I didn't even realize that, so I have to clean up my look, uh, so that's not good. Um, apparently... Uh, Dak Shepard and his wife, Kristen Bell, may be smelly people as well, because uh, the latest is Kristen Bell, according to page six in New York, says uh, Kristen Bell waits for kids to, quote, stink before bathing them. Uh, what is going on with our creepy celeb unbathed culture? Many of the guys that love sports talk radio follow the same advice come on no, don't, do not <laughs> some of you guys are listening right now they're These not funky no. dudes they're not funky they're not musty no yeah, some, of them, some of you guys are musty right now just take a take away yep you stink <laughs> but so let's not get to harping on celebrities where there are many guys who love sports who don't shower until they stink and their wives are telling oh, them to <laughs> that's number one Number two, some sports talk radio hosts stink too. I don't know about you, Steve. I, I'm, I'm gonna make. I, I trust that you do not stink. I'm not, I, you don't necessarily look like you stink, but you've probably been ranted a couple of times, oh, yeah. and and that's prompted a shower every now, especially during the pandemic, sitting around, you know, getting butt sweat uh, all darn day. And then the last piece is the American Dermatology Association says you should, you should wash kids from six to eleven, and one to once to twice a, once to twice a week. What? Yeah, they said that. And like, at least, that's at least. And I believe that you should bathe, wash up every day. I think that that's just something you should do. Your skin's not going to fall off. And no one, you, you, you should have people want to be around you. You should encourage that by brushing and flossing, washing your legs and feet, and taking an entire freaking bath or shower every day. This public conservative announcement has been brought to you by Xavier Pope, host of Soto News. Here on every Thursday on ESPN Las Vegas. I love that. I, you know, we we joked uh, in the past that uh, Big Chicken had this whole collaboration uh, because there seemed to be a new chicken sandwich released every month. It was a plan that was unhatched like two years ago. Is there like a big? A nice- is there like a big skin? Like what? It's, and it's actually the, here's the thing: uh, Big Soap needs to respond and go. Oh, this information is false. You need to wash twice a day. This is this could kill Big Soap. If you're if you're making soap, you use this as a marketing tool to right. be able to sell more soap. Um, and I mean, I'm, I'm if I'm if I'm Dial or I'm Ivory or a, 
or you know, uh, whatever other soap you might think of, I'm putting out a commercial telling people to wash up immediately. As a matter of fact, this could be a commercial for Kunis or Kristen Bell to be able to make a soap commercial. So they can, they can parlay not washing up into a, a commercial on making soap. So maybe this is a play for some advertisers as well. Xavier, you're the best. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks, buddy. Talk to you soon. Xavier Pope on Cofield and Company, the host of Suit Up News, two-minute and 20-second video pod. Check it out on Twitter at Xavier Pope. Four o'clock hours on the way, and Adam Hill will tell us about the latest with all these departures from the Raiders' front office. Hit us up on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas.